Welcome to Ministry Strong with Lisa Whittle, where ministry matters so much that a co-host and I have conversations to help strengthen and encourage ministry leaders to serve Jesus with integrity for the long haul. And we don't shy away from the tough issues about culture and the church. Is there a person better for this show or that I would rather talk to on the planet than the one and only leadership coach, founder of Azar Collective, podcast host, author, boss in general, and my friend, I have nearly weekly conversations with Joe Saxon. The answer is no, there is not. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Joe. Hi. It's good to see your face. It is really good to see your face. And it is the only bright spot for me in doing video um, interview. (laughs) Yeah, but now we all get to see your makeup. That is, we get to see makeup with Lisa. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Um, It's thrilling for me, honestly, to get to talk to you. You know, the last time we talked on my other podcast, Jesus Over Everything, we nearly set things on fire. We brought things, we brought so much heat to the conversation. So let's do that again. Okay. (laughs) Joe and I, uh, the truth is, is that Joe and I are two women who not only genuinely love each other, but we love other women and we love leadership. We love Jesus. That's why I wanted to bring her on because truly, and I don't say that just to say it, you guys know by now, if you know me, that I don't say just to say anything. Um, And Joe knows this. I regard her so much in the leadership space. You You know, this is true, Joe. I regard Joe so much in the leadership space. I just think that that Joe as a leader is not only so important, but also in talking about women in leadership, I think it's, it's just important to hear from Joe in this juncture. And so I brought, I brought you on to talk about women in leadership. Joel and I discussed this on the podcast this week. And here's what I want to say first, Joe, and it's something I just want to get to because I have a strong feeling about it and I want to get yours. Yeah. I would love to get to the day where we don't preface leadership introductions by gender anymore, Mm. meaning that we have women on leadership panels and women in leadership, not to fill a female quota for that board, Mm -hmm. but because simply those women are the best leaders for the job. And I'm talking ministry leadership because obviously there, there are different things at play in corporate settings. I know, I know there is some crossover obviously in issues and so forth, but I'm talking about ministry leadership here. Mm -hmm. What say you and how close are we to this possibility in the Christian ministry world? I mean, for, for that to happen, it would have to be normal. It would have to be deemed normal. It would have to be so commonplace that, Mm. um, that gender would not be of note. It would have to be so regular, um, so consistent, so such a part of everyday life. You could talk about someone watching the TV and it'd be irrelevant what the gender was because people watch TV. Mm. Um, until then, and we I don't know that we're near that. I think, it, I think it's something that we have to tackle every generation. I think, it has a, I think this, the challenges around it come up every generation in distinct ways. But um, I... I think for that to for the preface not to be there, you'd there'd be a lot more. There'd, there'd be no need to preface it because it wouldn't be a distinctive. So, are we better 
Is there, has there been progress with this? I mean, and I know there's denominational issues at play too. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's all kinds of things that happen here. I get that. One size does not fit all, but I feel like, I guess the reason why I'm talking about this is because I feel like it's, it's, it, we always qualify this in some way and say, she's a great woman leader. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm not mad about that. I mean, I'm calling this show women in leadership. So yeah. there is a way to identify that we are females that lead. I'm not mad about it. And I know there's so, some identification is always helpful in some way. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you lead groups of women. It's okay. Like we can say that, but I guess I just, I just want to be recognized for being a great leader across the board and does, and that it doesn't really matter that I'm a woman. I just have the cred to lead in general. Yeah. I mean, I think I've learned to, I have felt the same as same for a number of years, but now I see it as a, I I guess since it's not going to change anytime soon because Mm -hmm. it's not normal, it's not as normalized as it could be in the broader culture. um, I've, I've learned to use it as as a way of not declaring, because I don't need to shout about it, but um, as a way of simply stating we're here. Love that. So I, in some ways I don't mind it so much now because I've turned it, I've turned around the use because mm. I have met women again and again and again and again who said, I didn't realize I, 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 I moved into this journey. I felt a sense of call, cool, but I didn't see anybody like me. I didn't see any women there. And so then to say that you're a woman there becomes a reassurance a reminder, an example, rather than a qualifier. I think that is great that you're saying that because to me, I'm a, I'm a solution person. So I love the idea that, first of all, I, I think one of the reasons you and I gel really well in, the, in, in, a, in a lot of ways is because we both live in realities, right? Yeah. So like, I think it's important to live in realities. I think we could be mad. We could fight yeah. systems our whole life, right? Yeah. But, it, but I think what's powerful is there is power in living in realities and saying, how can we how can we powerfully move forward in this? And what are the positives of this? So I love that you're, what you're talking about is saying, Hey, let, let's not just be over here being mad, but let's, let's be positive about it. And, and one of the reasons I think that is so important is because, and I kind of got to this place too, Joe, where I felt like, and I don't even remember what year it was or what happened. I mean, I think there were several things that kept happening where it, it felt like, that in a lot of ways, women were continuing to try, especially in certain denominations, to convince groups of people. And it wasn't always just men. It was sometimes men and women oh, yeah. because yeah. women can hold women back and and, yeah. and thought and so forth. I, there was a group of people. There was a period of time where, where this became just over and over again. I, I felt like women were trying to convince that we were worthy of, or, you know, we should be allowed this or this space or this seat or whatever. And I thought, you know, I just don't think that is a good use of time. If God is, is the God who gifted us, gifted me, I'll make an individual here. He's gifted me. And I know, I believe that he is the greatest and he is the biggest of everything. He can elevate those gifts mm-hmm. um, and obstacles are real. They're going to be real for anything. 
what do I need to be using my time to do? So I guess my question to you is, what do you think women should be using our time to do right now? I mean, I, ooh, I mean, I, to, to follow the journey of what you were saying, I, I mean, I recognize that there are, that, that, that has been consuming for us. I remember talking with a good friend of mine who said, you know, whenever she started out in ministry, she felt like she needed the approval of the most powerful man in the room, not because she mm. wanted power. She did not want the power. She just felt if that person's okay with my presence and I can get on with this because That's everybody's it. looking to that person. That's that was it. her, that was her thing. And it took her a long time to get past that. Um, I think there are a number of things that we could be doing. Um, if we, if we feel a leadership call, then, I mean, you could spend your whole life trying to, trying to get someone to accept you. Yeah. You can spend your whole life trying to prove that you have a right to be there. I, I, and I, and it's an under, I, I guess I say that because I want to, I want people to hear it's an understandable sentiment in the context that we're in. Yes. in the world that we're in. It's, it's completely understandable how you end up in that place. However, I would encourage us because that does consume energy. It does overwhelm. It does dilapidate and make you upset. And I'm not saying let's pretend there's no grief because there is, there is grief, but we're being held back. There is grief by being seen as a threat or whatever. But if there is a call on your life, then one of the things you, that's important to reckon with is you and the Lord. And what's his his voice and how you can ensure that his voice keeps on being louder than every other voice you're hearing telling you other things. Mm. So how can you make space for that? Then the next thing I would say is who are the people who do affirm your call and 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 how are you making sure you're in environments of hearing that? And then then there is the work to get on with. Um, there There is a, a time when when people are arguing about whether you should be there and whether you get to be there, you leave them to their arguments because on one level, I, I've come to understand that's not my business. Yeah. That's not my business, what people are talking about me, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying I'm not affected. I'm not made of Teflon. Do you know what I mean? I, all of these things happen. It's just that if I spend my energy trying to convince people I get to be there, I, I still have a finite amount of energy. Yep. So. And then my call becomes proving that I should be there. That's not my calling. Mm. My calling is other things. So I need to be training, praying, working, getting on with those things, responding to the vision that God has given me, responding to the people that he's placed in my life. That is the work. Proving that I've got to be there is not the work. Hmm. It's not a side job. It's not my side hustle. Proving that I need to be there is some proving that someone who has a problem with me should no longer have a problem with me is one unlikely to change and two, not my job. That right there is, is the word that, you know, as, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking the question is, is your call proving like, is, okay, God has called you. So is, is your call to spend your life, to spend your time, to spend the, the, the limited amount of time with breath in your body, proving things to people yeah. that, that honestly, in the end, which you also named will probably prove futile because some, because somebody still look, if, if there's somebody that doesn't mm -hmm. want to value you or believe in the gifts or, or quite honestly, doesn't believe that, that you ought to be, uh, you know, in, in that position or, or having that platform, um, your convincing won't do the trick. 
No, no. And again, it's understandable because particularly in environments where people have power, when you feel like you're proving to the person who has the chance to open the door to you, to open the door to the book deal, to open the door to the ministry, the opportunity in some way, it's, I completely end, get how we get there. It's not because we're weak and fragile and stupid. We get there because sometimes there genuinely are roadblocks. Mm-hmm. There genuinely are gatekeepers that, yes. and some aren't some aren't always aware of it and some have nefarious intent um and the, and and deliberately block a door and so there you are saying i'm trying to be faithful here i'm trying to be faithful here i'm trying to be faithful to my call here and so we don't it doesn't begin with proving it, it doesn't even begin necessarily with us trying to prove ourselves. It begins with us thinking, here's the direction I need to go if I'm trying to be faithful to my call. And then, and so then you get the pushback. So you, oh, maybe I just need to persevere and push a little harder. You push back again. Oh, hold on a second. What's the, what's the deal here? And then you push. And before you know it, you find yourself locked in this thing where it feels like, unless I get a breakthrough with this particular person, I'm not going to get to fulfill my call. Hmm. And then, then the challenge comes if you're called and that person or that situation isn't opening, is that it? Or do you see where God is opening a door? The dilemma is if that door has represented all the things about calling to you. It's not easy. No, it's not. And I do think people struggle with, and I know I, I've struggled with this myself. I think we struggle with, and women maybe in particular, um, how much do I say, okay, this isn't my place? Not this isn't my place, but like, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't my, a woman's place. I don't mean it like that. Yeah. I mean it like, this isn't the place that I want or need or should be. If I'm not, if they don't want me in the room, if I'm not welcome here, if I don't like the vibe, if I don't, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be, this isn't the place that I need to be. Like God's going to use me more somewhere else. Mm. I think we struggle with knowing if that, when to walk away from that yeah. and when to push a little bit harder, because I mm. do think that sometimes it, it is a matter of like, you know, God wants to use us in a space to challenge that space. Yeah. And I, then, but- then there's, there's times though, Joe, sometimes we we don't need to to continue to push in a place where that system that place is never going to turn around yeah. and it has nothing to do with how much effort we put into it no. and i'm going to tell you it's hard sometimes to know when is when yeah i mean and it's a discernment process it really yeah. is because let's be honest when you when glass ceilings are broken someone gets cut yes someone gets cut and when you keep on ramming your head against a, a brick wall that doesn't move, somebody gets concussed. Those, mm-hmm. That's just the reality. We use these images for a reason. And so it, I think there is a discernment process there. And um, there is a, a, a process that we've got to do, not just by ourselves, but with people who we trust, who we respect, people who um, the people in our lives and stuff. They're not necessarily older than us or younger than us. It might, you might hear the wisdom from your kid just saying, would you want me to be friends with somebody like that at school? Do you know what I mean? My gosh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But we need that kind of wisdom, that kind of wisdom. And I remember, I think it was Eugene Peterson who described wisdom as skills for living. It's mm. not just, it, it, we've got, it's a skill thing that we've got to do. So I would encourage us. I'm when I come to moments like this, I, go back to the Bible and look at Jesus when he sends out the 12 and 72 in Luke nine and 10. I think it's nine and 10 or eight and nine. I think it's nine and 10. And he sends them out in twos and he says, you know, 
um, if the person welcomes you, look for the person of peace or sometimes it's man of peace or worthy person. Are they open to you? Do they welcome you? When Jesus gives this example, they are open to you, they welcome you and they serve you. Mm. They help you out. You know, they, they're open to what you're, what you're going to bring. They welcome you and they help you out. And I guess my, and, and, and so sometimes that's been a helpful when I'm not sure I'm like, Lord, is this a, maybe that if, if it's a shut door, then, and, and I, I like you, I'm someone who likes to be involved in things that change. So I can be, you know, sometimes you do push and people, but are they open? If they're not open to, now there's, some things need changing and people aren't open. Some things need changing and people are open. Then there's patience with the process. Yep. Are they welcoming you or are they tokenizing you? Those sorts of things mm. matter. Um, are they helping you out in that process? Or, they, or is it you've been given an opportunity, but basically you've been set up to fail? Mm. And because if those things are, if, if you're not seeing those um, healthy attributes evident, is it a lot of squeeze for not much juice? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and that's not a one and done set of questions. You ask if you, if you think, right, I've got to go I've, the best I know. I feel God's called me. I feel I've got to try. They seem a little open. They seem open to change. They seem welcoming. Then you try a little bit further. And then you ask that, those sets of questions with the people who know, know you and love you three months from now, six months from now, has God called, did, you know, did I get any sense of, of, of direction from God that it was going to be challenging at the beginning? And that, I mean, I'm not one for just picking up my ball and going home just because it's hard. Right. Is it hard or is it impossible? They're not always the same thing. Sometimes they're open and it's challenging. It's a challenging environment, but you still stay there. Sometimes it's like, I mean, ironically for me, I've often found that the, the harder environments have appeared very welcoming. Do you know what I mean? And, That's and actually really so smiley true. and friendly and all of this <laughs> stuff. And underneath they are cutting you at the knees. Then just <laughs> just taking so you down. look for look for those ones that are really really smiley and happy to have you there yeah no, it's actually so true you know what you're saying joe the thought that comes to my mind is i do think length of time is there's something there's something yeah. important there i yeah. think that um you know one of the things that that is that is important here is some of us cut too soon some of us stay too long oh god all of this yeah. right all of us need the discernment of the holy spirit if you don't have the yeah. holy spirit discernment in all of these things in yeah. in any leadership capacity absolutely you're, you're going to be sunk i mean because there are no one, two, three formulas about a myriad of decisions you're going to have to make. There are some guidelines. There's some good advice, like even that Joe just gave you. But the, the, at the at the end of it all, every leader is is led by the Holy Spirit, or else yeah. there's no work that can be really done here. So there's no there's no way around that. There's no you know where yeah. But the, even like the the length of time thing. You know, I think there is sort of this, this, there's a tipping point there. There's a, there, there, there's, there's also sort of this, this sense that you feel where you've come, you've been in this space and you've given it some time and you just feel like you're at an impasse and nothing over time, nothing that you've tried, you've put some effort in, not losing yourself in the process, but you've definitely, you can sleep at night. 
Let's just yeah. say you can sleep at night. You can you can walk away from the process knowing, hey, I put in here, I tried here, and you you know that you're being true when you say that, mm-hmm. and it just it just doesn't work. And so you're willing to say, you know, I've given it some time, I've given it a length of time, and um and it's just not going anywhere. And I can sleep at night, and I can I can safely say I've you know Lord I've tried this, and I'm going to yeah. walk away. I think that's really important. That's happened for for me uh, in some in some some spaces where I've said, you know, I, I know that I've, the Lord even wants me to give this a go for a little bit yeah. and I've done that. And I just feel like now there's a release on my life and I, I know that I can walk away. The other thing I thought of Joe was there is a difference between being tolerated and being invited in. Oh my gosh. Huge, huge. And um, and I think if our, and this is where where you um, a self awareness for us in leadership a self leadership. Yes. Now yes. I'm not saying leading yourself. I mean um, like that. I'm not so- talking about that theologically. I mean being aware of how how you being self aware, emotionally aware, intellectually aware of your capacity is really important. Because here's the thing: if we are insecure and we've been waiting for this for a long time, or and, and all of us have insecurities. This is not a criticism or a, I, I don't say it like that because we're human beings. I'm right. just saying if in our humanness, like, you know, you like to please people or that you're you're really susceptible in that area, that will inter- affect how you interpret these things. Yeah. And so you will tolerate being mistreated because that's your use. You've been mistreated all your life. You've been mistreated by all kinds of people. So you don't even recognize when you're being tolerated instead of celebrated or you or you've bought into the lie that you are so um lucky to be there mm-hmm. that the that you just gotta you just gotta dial it down you just gotta keep it quiet as though god can't do big things you know we feel like we're re- or we feel so responsible because you're the first or the only woman in that environment that does not make you the the person who needs to be the butt of every joke um overlooked all the time not listened to and barely tolerated for someone else's purposes because then you're not there and um, whatever's been said you're just being used being in ministry over the last couple of years has been uniquely challenging. Maybe the online church takeover that was necessary during the pandemic has left you weary and discouraged now as a ministry leader. I hear you. In fact, recent research found that getting people in the door on Sunday often doesn't lead people to take the next step. For those reasons, I'm excited to introduce you to the Apollos Project. Apollos apps equip churches with discipleship tools and spiritual habits to strengthen relationships within our community and ultimately with Jesus. Apollos is offering a discount for listeners of Ministry Strong, up to 40% off when you bundle multiple Apollos platforms. Let's explore the future of the church together. Learn more at apollos.app slash ministry strong. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-S dot A-P-P slash ministry strong. As a leader, do you ever feel like there's not enough of you to go around? Maybe you feel alone or that you're too busy helping others to tend to your own needs. Do you ever wonder who you should talk to about your life? If so, I want to tell you about Anchored Hope and the excellent counseling available to you today. 
Anchored Hope brings care and counseling to ministry leaders like you, as well as the people you serve. They offer convenient and confidential virtual counseling with professionally trained and theologically educated counselors. Choose a counselor based on a specific issue or contact the Anchored Hope team to ask for a recommendation based on your needs or partner with them as a ministry and utilize their services as a helpful extension of your team. As a shepherd and leader, you have to have a place you can trust for your own help and healing. To explore counselors and schedule your first session, visit anchoredhope.co. If you use code MINISTRYSTRONG at sign up, you'll get 10% off all your sessions through 2023. Again, that's anchoredhope.co. And don't forget to use code MINISTRYSTRONG when you register. Churches are full of hurting people, and pastors spend a lot of their time helping hurting people get better. But who is helping our pastoral leaders heal from their own hurts, anxieties, and struggles? When these hurts aren't healed, how do they affect their ministry? Right now, Media partnered with best-selling author and psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud to answer these questions. A Church That Heals is a free video series that Right Now Media designed to encourage church leaders in their own process of healing. Taught by Dr. Henry Cloud, a Church That Heals explores how spiritual growth and formation can lead to healing clinical issues, relational struggles, and professional discouragement. In this series, Dr. Cloud shares how leaders who are healed can better lead churches that heal. To access this free five-session video series, visit rightnowmedia.org slash That's rightnowmedia.org slash ministry strong. You know, I just had a light bulb. Come on. When you were just talking about that, I think when you feel such, um, when you feel so honored to be in a space, Mm -hmm. no one, like you're, you're a trailblazer in some way. And you just feel like, oh, they've, they've never had a woman in this place. Yeah. And you feel very aware of that role. One thing that I think, besides the fact of not speaking up, um, which is generally not a problem for me, but I think there are, there is, can be a problem. And I think I've done this before. And I think women have a tendency to do this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we agree to positions that aren't really our best gifting yeah. because we're just gl- glad to be in the room. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a prime example of this. Um, I remember when I wrote my first crossover book to men and women, and it yeah. was, it was, I think it was my fourth book. Maybe it was a book called whole. It's no longer in print, but I, we, I did it with the Barna group and I love the Barna group. I think they're amazing, um, mm-hmm. amazing yeah. men, but I was very aware that I was the first one to do to uh, originally launch as a solo female author on that, on that brand at the time. And um, so that, you know, thus I'm sitting in meetings with, with seven men and it's just me. And I'm so intimidated, Joe, because I'm, I'm very, um, I'm new to this. I mean, I was aware of the honor and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a, you know, there was a, a a research project that was done with it because every uh, Barna project at the time had a research project done with it. And I remember my instincts were, this project is not quite what it needs to be. Yeah. This is, we're not quite hitting the mark here. Um, and I just was so honored to be in that space and in that room. I didn't have the confidence to say, 
you know, guys, I think we're a little off here. I actually don't think these are the right questions for what we're doing. Um, And I think they would have well received it. But I think on my end, there was such this, oh, I'm just so honored to be here kind of syndrome. And so I do think it it keeps us small uh, when we when we are just so honored to be in the room. This is what what this reminds me of is in my next book, I have a chapter on limitation. And I talk about the four ways that we're limited and um, limitations, real limitations and limits that become real. And, you know, I will tell you that I I believe in many cases, it's a both and Joe. I think there are real limitations, which you've already spoken into. And I think there are limits that become real for us that we that we put on ourselves because, you know, because, because of how we've had history, it's a both and, but this is one of the ones that I can think of. And then I'd love to hear you talk about this for a minute. When I go to a place and I can remember particularly when I was in a season of going to speak to Christian universities, um, I remember coming in as the chapel speaker and Many, many times I knew that the stigma was we'll have a few token women speak yeah. uh, during our chapel season. Mostly it'll be men. We'll have two or three women kind of thrown in there. And, um, you know, we don't expect that much out of them. Hopefully they'll be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the sense. And yeah. I could even see on the yeah. students' faces, like, I don't expect much from this lady. Yeah. She's probably just going to be, she's a nice lady that's taking her kids to carpool, you know? And of course, I'm always like, Lord, give me a word so I can blow them out of, you know, my, yeah. my goal was that. But the point is, men don't have to do that when they get on the stage. They don't have to prove that, right? I'm not mad at men. I'm just saying it is what it is. Limits that are these are real limits. And then I think the limits that become real are when I get up there and I feel limited by my own awareness of that people in the crowd might be feeling that way. Then I put it on myself. So what do you think about that? I think it does happen. I think if when you're starting out, well, no, I think it happens in every era. I think when you're starting, there's always something something. in terms of perception. and, And sadly, the perception might have some fuel to it because you've heard someone say something. Right. Um, and and they might think you're too emotional or too much or not enough or all of these things. And you get the sense that, you know, that your voice is is acceptable ish <laughs> ish ish in the room, whether it whether that's a public facing role or whether that's a decision making role um, that may be behind the scenes in some way. I think it's I do think it's challenging. It was palpable. I was at an event recently um, in the in this country um i was at an event and i was um and it was palpable how differently i was treated when people recognized that i'd been at that event i'd spoken at that event before Mm. east from west was i a groupie or was i as yeah i mean or was i alumni were you a part of the in crowd or were you a part of the wannabe crowd? It was yes. like that. Yeah, it, it was. And it was I mean, it was hilarious because you could almost see it on people's faces. Their faces changed. Was, when someone walked past, they, oh, I loved what you said that time when you spoke. And they're like, oh, so you're a speaker. Oh, different oh. level. Yeah, it was hilarious. And I thought and I think probably with the hair being different and everything over the summer and all, I just thought, man, alive. This is this is entertaining. But um, <laughs> I think I have learned to, again, I've learned to use some of these things as fuel. Mm. I've learned, um, because I've, because 
because I'm so good at bitterness. The other option isn't great. Do you know what I mean? That's the best line I've ever heard. I'm, I'm so, so good. good. It's <laughs> like my reverse spiritual gift. Do you know what I mean? I'm it's so nice good at bitterness. Do you know what I mean? I'm so talented and strategic about bitterness and how it could just fester. And I think, and all, and real talk, I have seen too many women leaders in waiting that have been so consumed by the battle mm. that it wrecks them so that they, by the, by the time they do have any opportunity, you'd kind of want them to sit down for a while. That is so true. For yes. their own benefit, because it's like, sis, it's, it's like I'm ready to fight. And I'm like, yeah, but you're limping and you're <laughs> bleeding and you're oozing something somewhere. And actually now's not a good time. <laughs> but please get well. Please let's get let's well. Ra- let's get bandaged. Let's get some Can stitches. We? Can we? <laughs> It's the way I'm seeing you lift your thigh and drag it along yes. to walk. That is that is making me discern that maybe there's something going on here. I'm literally <laughs> deceased right now, Joe. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Which is why we said at the it's beginning. It's the blood for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's why we said at the beginning, don't stick around too long in these places because it's, got, it's not neutral. It has diminishing returns. Oh, and normally yes. they're on you. They're yes, on you and you yes. are, you are the bitter and festering one. You are the angry one who you are the, I mean, all of the things and still without the opportunity. My gosh, that, that is, I'm, I'm yes. Yes. And amen to everything you're saying. And I'm just going to tell you, there have been times I've been the one bleeding yeah. and I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I'm so grateful that the Lord has sat me down for times of my ministry and said, you, you, I'm silencing you because yeah. if you spoke right now, you would <laughs> infect people. You would, you would ruin your own life and ministry. You would throw your, you would, you would literally get canceled. You know, I mean, he has shut my mouth. And I think what you're saying is so powerful. This is, this is the most um, important thing. Perhaps we're even talking about here. So many times, Joe, I think we, we feel like, we are, we are far more ready. We are, we are far more okay. And there's a balance here because we'll never be fully okay or ready. Like, you know, we we all, we all carry stuff with us. I'm not walking around ministering fully well, like all the time, like we're all still in real time. That's why we have people like each other where we can sort through Mm -hmm. on the, in the background. So we don't bring it to the front ground. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, one of the things that Joel and I talked about men and i was really i really appreciated him being honest about this uh, you know because we we know it's true that men have this perception sometimes that women are so emotional and you brought yeah. this up that women are so emotional we just can't lead well so here's the thing yeah. I, I i'm not afraid to say and this is part of why I pour into in ministry in, you know, the hard good and trying to mm-hmm. help women emotionally. It's why you lead women as well, because we do want to help our sisters out to and ourselves to be the best equipped leaders that we can be. Uh, and then on the other side, of course, men have to do their own work what? with this. <laughs> Of absolutely, and I'm not excusing them in any way for the work yeah. they need to do or for their perceptions that may or may not be true. But I think the important thing here is when this it becomes the crutch, when this mm-hmm. becomes the crutch speech about women, mm-hmm. spaces are missing out on the leadership of women that that involves intuition and wisdom. And yes, the positive side of the emotion that quite honestly men need in spaces. Right. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there are a number of things as well, because I think it's more, I think it, I, my pushback when I hear that is there are certain emotions that are acceptable 
that are seen as emotional. Anger is anger is is emotional. Yeah. Anger is emotional. And honestly, we could do with regulating that far more effectively than we have been doing. So what you're saying is that let me just put this bluntly. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is men often are angry and not to say women aren't either, but you're saying that happens with men and we accept that. I think when I guess my what I'm saying is when we say women are too emotional, you're actually talking about particular emotions. Okay, I got that it. you find uncomfortable whilst overlooking other emotions which you find acceptable. Got it. In men. Like yeah. or and, and and actually some of those things are even socialized because when a man when a, when a man who is seen as strong weeps, they may they may rise to say, "Oh my gosh, someone who's so dynamic and assertive and everything and just showing some vulnerability." And which is what it what it may be, yeah. which is a wonderful thing. Yes. Um, is it that there to is it that women are more emotional or we just don't like women being in that expressing those emotions? We form we feel more we just don't know what women to do with that. We don't know what to do with it. And yeah. that but actually when you look at the council of scripture, you see Jeremiah weep. I mean, he was known as the weeping prophet. You see Ezekiel, frankly, all over the place. Mm. You see, um, unable to do anything for days because of the revelation yes. he had same with daniel who is working in high high levels of government who is like i can't you know when you look at the latter chapters of his life um and and also that's just not a reason it's not yeah. a reason jesus wept jesus overturned tables well and jesus I mean, what, what are we doing well, and, <laughs> it's and, just a really and, weird it's just a really weird angle because it has nothing to do with the calling right and jesus and look, look here's the thing Jesus created women. So he gave us emotion. So clearly. And and so what you would be saying then would be saying he created women. He gave up, gave us emotion. He knew that was good because nothing he, Mm -hmm. nothing he creates could be not good. So he created that purposefully good. But then that means he created no women to be in leadership. Now I'm sorry, Joe, but I'm just going to tell you Mm -hmm. if I wasn't created to be in leadership, I, I don't, I don't understand myself at all because you, I, you could try to get me to not be a leader. You could try to get you to not be a leader, but that would be completely inconsistent with the way that we are clearly created to be. It's it's our DNA. And I would also say, I think, I think just to, and I'll move on from this in a moment, but I, I think there is a thing of where there are acceptable types and unacceptable types, which actually we are weaker for. Like I had a friend who used to be deemed too feminine, too girly. Mm. And I'm like, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to be real blunt now. Women have periods every month and manage to function. Yes. We manage to function. We have been doing this for decades. Yes. Don't tell me that girly girl isn't strong. Right. These women have been, have been handling miscarriages, going through infertility treatment, going through childbirth, somehow managing to, managing to put food in the dinner in the midst of, put food on the table in the midst of postpartum depression. Now mm-hmm. she may be really girly and like a pumpkin spice latte. I don't care. Don't tell me that woman isn't strong. She may be nothing like me. She may weep at the drop of a this is us. She may, <laughs> do you know what I mean? She may seem fragile or feel really frustrated, but that doesn't mean she's not called. My mother is the most soft-spoken, tender, like little tiny, you could break her in half. She's so small, Joe, and she's gentle and she's all those things. But that woman, what she has endured in her life, and I would dare say most women have endured many, many things that are Mm -hmm. very unspoken. She is so strong. And Uh, yeah, I would dare say, this is the last thing I'll say about it. 
I would dare say too that emotions scare um, yeah. many many people. Uh, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think I think it is fear uh, that that if there is an emotion shown by a woman, it will become out of control. Yeah. And then what will we do about it? What if she becomes this or that, or it's a stereotype, or it's it's a woman that somebody knew that was really out of control? Listen, there are we could say that across the board for any. It's not fair to judge your current boss by your last boss. It's not fair yeah. to judge yeah. a whole gaggle of women leaders by one woman leader that you didn't love, nor is it fair to judge men leaders, a whole gaggle Absolutely. of men leaders by one. Man. Absolutely. So this is what we're saying here. Yeah. Totally. And, and I think also we want to make sure that when we, when we recognize that God gave out his gift, that, that emotional, and I, I mean, it's a weird phrase for me, but that, because in many ways, we're all expressing them all the time. Mm-hmm. That woman is capable of thought leadership. Sure. She, do you know what I mean? She's capable of strategic leadership. Mm. That it's just that maybe we haven't seen it in that package before. And, and to go to, uh, back at the, at, to what we were showing at the beginning, when there aren't many people who are not like what you expect, it might feel like, oh, what do I do with this? Yeah. And the truth is we learn. Yes. We learn what to do with this. And, and we may make some missteps and mistakes and be a little uncertain on how we do it, but we'll learn mm-hmm. um, because there is a gift in there. There is that, that then don't allow what you put your cultural packaging. And I will say cultural because what is deemed as brilliant in one part of the world might be seen as problematic in another part of the world for Very both true. men and women, Very not true. just for women, but men and women. Yes. Don't allow your cultural packaging mm. to stop what God is doing. Yes. And to and and to know that all of us, all of us are works in progress. In fairness, there are certain parts of my life when I started out where people were like, ah, oh, she's scary. And I'm like, yeah, she is, because there was all kinds of stuff going on. Mm. But but if if we are willing to give men and women, because I think this is true for men and women, the process that they need to rise into their leadership, which is a, a combination of yes, the skills, yes, the access, but also the character work. Mm the chance for God to heal and refine and renew, not to assimilate them into some weird box model, but to bring out who God has truly invested in them. We'll see a, we'll see the range that the body has always been just not, not always endorsed. I'm so glad you brought up even culturally, because I do think we live in such a small bubble. And even especially those of us that are listening that are in the United States, we can, we look at leadership in our small bubble in our part of the, you know, the world. And we're like, this is what it is. Let me tell you something. The world is big. Yeah. If you look at other parts of the country, if you study it, if you, if you, if you go research it just a little bit, Mm -hmm. you will see that, that there are different places that revere women in a different way. And um, also look at leadership very differently. And it would be a good case study. It would be a very good way to get us out of our own self here and Mm -hmm. see what's going on in other places where God is moving in other places, where God is using women in other places in the world. Um, It's really, really powerful. And so I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think we get this. And even denominationally, I would, I would, I want to push a little bit here and say, I get that you're in a denomination perhaps. And I get that the denomination may have this sort of way and go, I'm not trying to get you to go out of your denomination, but I, I would also suggest that just because your denomination has this belief system doesn't mean that that is a biblical 
system of uh, <laughs> how everybody else does things, right? Because you might talk to another denomination that does it very yeah. differently. Yeah. And does that mean that they are doing it wrong? Does that mean that they don't also love Jesus, that they don't also serve Jesus? We have yeah. created denominations. That is actually not yeah. something that... Um, the Bible discusses. So I will just go ahead and put that out there. Uh, Lisa will just offer, pour that cup of tea. Yeah. Now I'm just getting in trouble is basically what's (laughs) happening. People are getting mad by the minute. All right. You coach women all the time in their leadership roles. And by the way, I want you to, I want you to tell us about your upcoming opportunity, because I think this is really important, but tell me quickly, what are women most hungry for that you've noticed or recently? What's the hunger? Um, The most I think there are three things uh, that come to mind to be seen, Mm. to be seen, to see their life, see their gifts, see the the myriad ways that they have fearfully and wonderfully been made to be seen. Um, And, and I'd say on the, and to, and to realize that they have always been seen in the Bible. There are plenty of women leaders. No, no, no one size fits all Um, permission. I think would be the other thing. Um, what would be the second thing like almost a permission slip whether they need to give themselves permission whether they need to recognize that that god has already given them permission where they need to reckon with what does it mean in the space that they they're in right now what the permission looks like i think there's something about that that seems to be a big deal um permission to dream permission to dare permission to live outside of the boxes that they may have built for themselves Hmm. or the past has already told them they've got to to be, or even the current. So I think that's one thing. Um, and, and then the third one I would say is voice. There's something about, um, I, I, I think we have seen again and again and again, not just in the church, but in society where women's voices aren't present. It doesn't build a full healthy world. It just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't. Uh, I, and that, and, and that's, that's actually not a critique of men, actually. It's just the reality it's yes. just you want a full picture. You have everybody who's in the picture there. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I, I think whenever I'm coaching women, I find people asking about how, where they lost their voice and mm-hmm. how how to find their voice. And you know, I I physically lost my voice about three four years ago for, and I had to have speech therapy. And and my um, um, my speech therapist said, you know, the reality is you don't lose your voice. Your voice is damaged. Mm. And I just thought in my mind, I'm like this is a talk. (laughs) talk. I need to take notes. And I'm saying, what do you mean? So I said, when you say someone that they don't lose their voice, she said, well, it's damaged by multiple things, trauma, their environment, relying on the wrong things, sourcing in the wrong way. And I'm like, this is a good talk. You're like, I've got, excuse me. You don't understand. (laughs) Tell me more. And, and um, they could, you know what I mean? She said, she just gave all these things and she said, and you have to rebuild your voice when you've lost your voice, when it's been damaged, you have to rebuild it. And it's the exercises, it's the environments that you're in. Mm. It's the things that you're feeding yourself. And I'm just like, this is, this talk is writing itself. <laughs> it's writing itself. It was amazing. Um, but, amazing. And, I, and it's, and it's fascinating. I, when I'm coaching, I talk about that uh, often, often about what, when you lost your voice, actually what damaged it. And what mm. you, what environments you're in that are choking your voice out, so and good. what exercises you need, and what what what's the source of of bringing your voice back to life again, and and how are you sustaining that? I think that's that's a big one. 
Do you do that at Azar Collective? Because if you do, I'm coming to the next one. (laughs) Yeah, I do. We do. Okay. (laughs) Tell us about that because for real, some women that are listening may want to come. Yeah. And now um, Azar Collective is a gathering that we do of... Um, a number of women leaders and they may, when we, let me clarify women leader first, then what, why the name and then what it does. So when, um, actually I forgot which one I was doing first, uh, women, <laughs> um, I just thought, Joe, don't write lists. You can't, you can't deliver. Uh, it's just so weird. Um, it, it, when I say women leaders, they're women in ministry, they're women in business, um, entrepreneurs, the whole women in between jobs, but they all recognize that the intention of gathering together is I am investing in this thing I've been called to lead or this Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. because we're so good at taking care of everybody else's needs. And I have not, I wonder why I'm not growing in leadership. Did you invest in it? Mm. Did you, did you, you you know, God, God gave you a seed of a calling. What did you, and you, you look and say, all these other guys, their thing is, well, they watered that seed, sis. They watered that seed. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be shouting down my brother because he watered his seed and tended to his calling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He yep. he watered it. He tilled the soil. He picked someone else. Pulled out the weeds. All of those things. Um, and I I guess I'm so part of it is they come to that space where again women in business because let's remember all our biblical heroes had jobs and, <laughs> and yep. women women in churches women starting like ministries and all that kind of stuff and there's the gamut of I mean, denominations, the damn it, the ga- there's a range. And I do that deliberately. One, because we're better leaders when we hear people who are different from us and think differently from us. And it just stops some of our pseudo-spiritual arrogance about yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you're if you're leading, you are gonna meet someone who doesn't think like you and right. who who is leading in a different way to you. And you're gonna have to have social skills. So let's do that. Yes, um, please. Cause because that's for life, not just for Facebook. So yes. <laughs> um do you know what I mean? <laughs> so we gather them together and with a view to just inc- one the encouragement because so many women are, are unbelievably lonely saying how do I lead out my call as a CEO and I know I'm called to be here but I've had a number of women in business say the church knows what to do with my money it does not know what to do with me mm-hmm. and that they and there's no you know I'm traveling for work I'm at these meetings and and I I can why why has the world set me more free than the church has when I'm a believer wow you know, why, why does the world celebrate and, and me instead of tolerate me, invest in me? Right. But, you know, this is, this is what I, it's, God is who I'm living for here. Yeah. And so, and so that's been a, a, that's been a significant part for, for a number of women, just the recognition that they, yes, they do have gifts and they're happening out there every day in the workplace. Mm. Um, and so we gather them together for that reason. It's called Aza Collective One because I wanted a collective feel, like we a rising tide um, lifts all boats kind of thing. And um, because I think we, I, I don't mean it as a cliche when I say we're better together, men and women are better together, women in groups. I mean better together. We have can learn from one another. I think um, I, I know I mean, you and I have talked about it before about the reality of scarcity that happens for people when yeah. they've been denied opportunities and when they've been held back. And I wanted to foster an environment. Um, where it wasn't about a particular person, but it was about them in their giftings and, and actually finding support from other women leaders, finding encouragement from one other leaders, finding jobs from other women leaders, yeah. finding advice on how to negotiate pay. We do we talk about that every time. <laughs> um, it just comes up every time. Finding yeah. working out how we can do networking and not feel like we're covering ourselves in slime, but recognizing you're leveraging what you have for the kingdom's flourishing, wherever that is, work, church, whatever. Um, called Aza because it's the first word we hear in the Bible used to refer to woman and it's often translated helper. 
and it, that word has been the joy and the and the bane for for men and women alike for generations oh, for wherever wherever they stand theologically to be fair yeah. um the word and now like i was saying to you offline i don't know how it's pronounced i wasn't there it's ancient hebrew but <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean it's just it's just where i landed and um and um the the and i and i don't say that but i mean it's literally because it's an ancient language i'm saying that yeah. but um the word that we when we see help and it, this is classic for us as human beings we sometimes interpret things in the light of what we see around us rather than the context it was in and it, with the word in the bible if you're not sure what it means you see where else it comes up in the bible the bible will tell will tell you about itself and um the word aza is a combination of words meaning to rescue and to, to be strong and to save which I think is a helpful one for, particularly for women who have been told that their strength isn't feminine. It's like, well, that's awkward because God designed you and he put it in how it, in your actual identity. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it, when the word appears, it appears a couple of times in relation to women. Most of the time it appears is when God's delivering people from their enemies. So God is my refuge and my strength and ever present help in times of trouble. It's Asa. Um, and, and so again, for us being image bearers, that's the image we're bearing that that dynamic that someone who had the resources to help um also is a verb meaning to rescue to save oh to cherish and defend um as well that um theologian in the uk um michelle guinness was teaching us that years ago and and again um it just is such a beautiful picture of the breadth of womanhood the breadth of of and that that we're not made by accident like god didn't accidentally give you away with numbers and think oh my gosh what did i do kind of thing he's excited and so the whole point of that gathering is to be a space where women leaders are celebrated instead of tolerated where they get to name themselves but they also get to invest in their calling invest in their skills um practical tools um and you know the landscape has changed and women have not come off well mm -hmm. globally you yeah. know, um, the loss of women's jobs globally since the pandemic in 2020 alone was $800 billion. Wow. In 2020 alone. And that's the combined GDP of 98 countries. Mm. And so it's like, as we, as we stand in this, in this moment in history, knowing that throughout, throughout biblical history, men and women often were called in times of crisis and challenge when things were going out of control, how will we respond Mm. And that's that that's I wanted to create a space where women could unapologetically be themselves, where if there needed to be some healing, that there could be some healing. But more than that, it would be a context of commission and training. So they would go back to their spaces. I'm not trying to launch a women's movement. I'm trying to be a catalyst. I'm, I see it as a catalyst for women to go back to their spaces alongside their brothers and sisters and get on do the work where they can go back to their CEO, their CEO space, their CEO, whatever they are, if they need to shift jobs, do it. But that's the call. Mm, that's what it's it. there for. It's um, so good. We'll have that in the show notes. So if you want to sign up for that, you can, I highly recommend it. Yes. Yeah. It would be amazing. You have time. So do that. You will not regret it. Joe is a leader you want to sit under. Trust me, Joe, thank you so much for being with us. This has been amazing. And, thank you. um, I think we, I think we lit some things on fire again today. I oh do. golly. Yeah. I, I'm, I blame I'm you. I'm I blame little, you, you. Okay. I'm a little <laughs> afraid of what we lit on fire or what we started, the fire, what fire we started. But anyway, it's been amazing. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Ministry Strong is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts, produced and edited by Angie Elkins. 
Artwork by Caleb Peavy and Noel Rhodes. Original music by Robert Elkins. A special thanks to my Ministry Strong team. Thank you for your dedication and hard work. Your hosts of Season 1 are Lisa Whittle and Dr. Joel Matamale. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get strong in here.